initiate startup process. Now, all the way live. Hey, yo, <laughs> y'all know what this is. Damn it, the most hip-hop and R&B. I want to introduce to y'all. It's the infamous. Call your friends and tell them it's going down now. It's going down. Woo! You understand that? It's It's live. Let's, Let's go. In five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Infamous Hour. I'm your host, the Infamous Amadeus. All social media platforms at the Infamous Amadeus. And of course, follow Boom Bap Nation. In case you haven't been paying attention, Tone Vera, in the pandemic, Boom Bap Nation has become the number one platform when it comes to the bars. Round of applause. That's no in fucking studio. lie. That's what I'm talking in about. In studio. It's true. Because, because unfortunately, what happened was Auto Tune ran out. That's it. Who wanna dare to the pandemic? I'm in the crib. I wanna rob somebody. I want to spit some bars. All right? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, each and every Thursday, 3 p.m., uh, you know, Shade 45, I'm on there. And of course, 9 p.m., Boom Bap Nation. And of course, I have my guy next to me, my good friend, my new co-host, Tone Vera. Welcome to the Infamous Hour. What's up? What's up, man? Yo, I'm glad to be here. This guest that we got today, I don't know how you man- managed to get him. This dude is uh, he's a gem. He truly is. Yeah, so uh, so uh, the, the guy that left needs no introduction, legendary a hip hop artist has been getting money and smashing your baby mom since '86. <laughs> oh, clean, okay. Now he he has a situation now. We we talk about past tense, but he's been outside. Uh, he's developed and created a lot of dope artists, and I'm happy to have him here on Infamous Hour. Jazzo, what's up? Welcome to Infamous Hour. Yo yo, what it is? What it is? Great to be here. So, so Jazz, how have you been dealing with the pandemic, right? Because you were smoking with momentum, right? Right before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm, Obviously, mm-hmm. we kind of met like right before the pandemic. Uh, met you at SiriusXM. Yes. And um, you had a lot of momentum. And it kind of like the pandemic just kind of like shut the world down. But you as a veteran, you've been around for a long time. How are you dealing with it? Oh, man, you know, um, you just got to be creative. You know, keep, uh, keep things going. Of course, you know, there were no live appearances going on after like, what, March 15th or some shit. But, um... You just gotta, you gotta keep moving. You gotta innovate, and just hey, I was, I was back in Marcy on that shit. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, you know, you, you just have, you just have to adjust. And um, you know, thank goodness, uh, I put in enough work where I could, you know, I could stay afloat on my royalties. Jazz, you gotta and tell I'm us not about trying it. to be funny. Yeah, Jazz, I'm telling you, man. Uh, one of the ways you've managed to stay sharp these past few years is this new record label you got out, Kings County Media Group. Tell oh, us yeah. about everything you guys do. Um, well, we're we're learning as we go along, but uh, I have enough experience in the industry and uh, you know, emceeing and, and producing to uh, just navigate. Um, I figure, you know, um, with the things that I have experienced, and I mean the ups and downs, you know, allows me to to do just that, to navigate. Um, I have a small team. Um, we, we all multitask. We all in it together. Um, you know, I don't know if I could speak on our new relationship. You know, um, it's, it's fantastic. 
you know, everybody everybody has the same vision, and we just a bunch of ants making yeah. it happen. So it's fair to say that besides music, you're, there's other ventures within the Kings County Media Group, like oh, yeah. films, content. And s- yeah, yeah. Um, I have actually um, an artist of mine, uh, Top Gunner, um, you know, they know him from the P's and they know him from the streets, his love. And, you know, he writes, you know, he writes uh, movies. He writes movies and he has some some damn good shit going on. And um, I have some things. And, and this one thing real interesting I, I wanted to bring up that you said that. Um, my mother, she, she'll, you know, She'll sit down and and talk with me, and we'll have conversations about um, our family, things that, you know, went on in the past. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, their their whole uh, train of thought due to social programming and and education is, you know, um, you know, the diaspora, you know, for people who don't know what that is, is just black, the whole black you know, between black, Latino, you know, everything besides a Caucasian, um, basically we were slaves and then we got freed by Abraham Lincoln and that's not the case. You know, we were here before, you know, the whole time and we were constantly moved out of our land, um, moved out of properties and it just so happens that um, a certain area in Alexandria, Virginia, where a lot of my family members, you know, live today, you know, just uh, a short distance away from there, you know, they were constantly moved out, um, constantly moved out. And um, she talked about it, and I'm inspired to do, I'm, I'm toggling between a documentary or an actual, you know, film work based on a true story, you know what I'm saying? So things like that. That's what Kings County is going to be um, moving into. Yeah, like a, like a super dynamic. So, uh, so before we get to our relationship, let, let's go back to the warm up, right? So, yeah, you had this amazing momentum and rollout when it came to the warm up project. We, we did Drink Champs. You did Sway in the Morning. Mm-hmm. So, what was the exact situation with Rock Nation, right? So, because Rock Nation and Equity, were you signed to Rock Nation or were you signed to Equity? Well, I was signed to Equity, and what a lot of people may not know is that equity is actually a Carter enterprise. Um, Rock Nation, the label is a universal company and Rock Nation management is a Carter enterprise. And um, after the, you know, the, you know, the picture, well, actually it was act, it was actually the next year. And, um, Jay and I met in Detroit um, at the uh, On the Run 2 tour. And, um, you know, he kept asking me, yo, so what's going on? What are you up to? What's going on? What are you up to? You know, and I was just being me, and then saying something without, or saying anything without saying, you know. Yeah. So, long story short, you know, I told him, it's like, you know, I still I still do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and um what's up? Just create a way for me to, you know, give me a bigger platform basically. Mm-hmm. You got it, 
you know, make an introduction for me. You know, as a request, I said it humbly. The way I make it sound now is like, oh, give me this. But it, it wasn't like that at all. You know, I yeah. humbly requested. And, you know, I was granted. Um, and so we just went into that from there. Um, you know, distribution is a very... Complicated. Very complicated. And, and we're learning this as we go along. Right. Right, obviously, and, right? Right. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, and, you know, distribution is not even what it used to be because... Technically, distribution is the um, transportation and, you know, transportation of, of manufactured goods. Yeah. And digital music is not manufactured goods. So, you know, you have to learn the legalities involved, you know, in order to um, prosper in, in that field of so-called distribution. But, um, but, yeah, you know, we put it together and... I, I appreciated it, and, uh, you know, we moved forward. Yeah, because it kind of felt like from the outside looking in, like I think the fans were expecting like a potential like Jazzo, Jay-Z collaboration besides the Rock Nation thing because it was almost like the complete rollout like we just spoke about. Right. It's like you, we got the photo popping up, then we got, you know, you, you're bouncing around, you're doing sway, like you're doing all the big things, and then COVID hit, and it just kind of like just everything kind of stopped. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I had in my head, yeah. you know, and, you know, we, we stayed in touch. And uh, shortly after that, uh, I was approached about an Eric B. and Rakim tour. Mm -hmm. And I told him about that. And I emailed him the dates, you know, that I was a part of it. And he was very happy about it, surprised. And uh, we moved from then, and we just stayed in contact. And, you know, we had a couple of personal conversations, a couple of just joking conversations, and, um, you know, but that's, that's personal. Yeah. You know, the, the business, it was just sketchy because of COVID. Uh, it was sketchy due to whatever. Yeah, and, but and, it, and but, the change but, of music as well. Yeah, way, yeah. but the situation the situation was great, and and a key thing not to cut you off like that. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to mention that you know there were a couple of changes of regime, mm -hmm. so that also definitely has an adverse effect on one's product, mm -hmm. you know, on one's project. So you you know you deal with it, swerve, duck and move, mm -hmm. and keep you know keep it moving. I mean, look. Look at the end result. You know, yeah. here we are. Yeah, here we are now. Round of applause. Okay. Here we are. So Jazzo and uh, so back you know back in '99, Jiggle What Jiggle Who comes out. It's a monster success hit. Mm -hmm. The music video comes out, and then like a lot of people for the first time, they're introduced to Jazzo. They see you come out, you spit the fourth verse, and you kill it. Mm -hmm. Like, and then appreciate for, it. Man, for Checks in the mail, uh, no doubt. <laughs> for many years after that. You just kind of laid low. You said you were doing you. Like, what were you doing during all that time before you resurfaced with the warm-up? Well, first, let me, let me say this. And, you know, I'm not, a very, I'm, I'm not a very controversial person on purpose, but um, I'm really just not with the fuckboy shit. So I don't, you know, that, that whole... There's nothing wrong with being in the music industry, 
with the what we know to be that industry type of shit, I'm not with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, if if you got five niggas jumping off the bridge, I'm not the six one. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not doing it. So um I think that amongst certain executives, it's not that they didn't like me. They didn't like what I was about because I was the anti, you know what I'm saying? I was the anti, I was the antithesis of what they were trying to promote or what their, um, you know, what their masters were trying to promote. So, um, so I ducked, you know, I would come in, I'd come out, you know, somebody happens to hear a beat that I did and they want it. You know, I don't disrespect money, you know what I'm saying? But it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm all in now. You know, hey, give me a deal. Hey, give me a publishing, you know what I'm saying? We, you know, everybody, you know, which which ass I got to kiss. I don't play that shit. So, you know, because of that, you know, I'm looked at a certain way. But fortunately, there are enough people with common sense, and I am looked at a certain way in that same sense, and I love it. And I'm going to always be like this and grow more and be more of myself, not just for me, but for people who think like me and want to do what they choose as opposed to what somebody is telling them to do in order for them to succeed. It's a lie. You can succeed doing what you choose. Bottom line. Great answer. Yeah. Because once I was having a conversation with DJ Premier, and I've mentioned this a few times on the show, where he's like, you know, he had just told me flat out, like, you know, guys are making music like their age group went somewhere, right? And right. it's like, you, you got, uh, you know, I was at a release party the other day, and, and I'm watching a guy, like, doing, like, a drill record. And I'm like, you know, the, kid, the kids are not going to mess with you. Like, they, they look at you like an old person. Like, it's, it's just weird. Like, so wh- where are we exactly with the establishment of hip-hop? Because the elder statesmen still run. The corporations, right? When it comes to radio, the, the same guys exactly. at 97 are still there. The same guys at Power are still there. The same guys run SiriusXM. The same guys that still run the major labels are still there. Why aren't we getting a better look on our legacy artists in a sense? Why do you think that is? I think because as you get or as you mature, you gain a mind of your own. They can't sell you everything. And, of course, you know that's the core purpose of this media thing is yeah. to continue to control your mind to keep selling you stuff. So, you know, as you mature, it's, it's like they can't sell you everything. They can't, they can't put one over on you. But, and this is no disrespect to youth. We were all young. You know, some of us are still young. But youth are more impressionable. And people who are mature or who are older and haven't matured are still susceptible to the things that they were susceptible to 20 years ago. And those are the, those are the people who are influenced constantly, but by and large, a mature individual who has the experience of um, being or getting the short end of the stick with uh, media and whatever media is pushing, you know, most of them learn. So basically, to, put, to be put simply, um, we're, we're the, the generation 
that is not going for the okie doke. So they like, you know, it's just like a bully. You know, bully ain't going to fuck with somebody that's going to fight back. Bully going to fuck with the punk ass nigga, the timid nigga, the shy nigga. You know what I'm saying? That's who you're going to fuck with. Same thing. They're going to fuck with who's susceptible. Their concept in marketing is there's a sucker born every day. And there is. You know, and a lot of a lot of us have been it at, yeah. <laughs> at some point yeah, or yeah. another. All you know us. what I'm saying? And yeah, I ain't trying to separate myself from a, a sucker because we've all been a sucker at one point. You know, not mm-hmm. you don't have to stay there forever or be that. But, you know, sometimes you're a lover. Sometimes you're a hater. Sometimes you're a sucker. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just people with inflated egos, they too shallow and superficial to admit that and, you know, welcome themselves into the human race. I recently heard on a radio show somebody was talking about, um, because it was Hip Hop Appreciation Week, and they were talking about how, you know, the younger kids nowadays, they see music artists as like kind of like athletes. Like after a few years, they kind of say, ah, you know, they're all worn out at this point. They, you know, kind of like, you know, how sometimes in basketball players get injured and stuff. Right. But it's like in hip hop, you're not using any of your, you know, physical features. It's your voice. That everyone's right. listening to. Like, if anything, like people should be listening to your music more now, now that you've gained all this wisdom and that you know so much about the industry. Why do you think it's the opposite? Why do you think it's so backwards? Well, it's it's a method it's a method that they use and we know it as social programming. Um because I heard it prevalent in the 90s where they would say like uh you know oh this thing here you know and I'm when I say this thing here I'm you know for all of the uh, uh women in the audience you know I'm I'm not excluding women I'm just it's a general term so like oh this thing here you know he's too old to be rapping you know she's too old to be rapping you know you know let the young let the young people breathe and this, that, and the other, but look at the Rolling Stones. They gotta be, they gotta be wheeled on stage. Gotta be a and, gazillion years old. You know what I'm saying? They gotta, you know, they gotta go to to some institution and and you know and get blood supplies. You know what I'm saying? Before they get on stage and shit. Yeah, I know what I know. You know what I'm saying? And and you know. And, and a rap artist after they turn 40-something. And, and fortunately, it's changing, and we see the change, you know, where they're understanding, like, you, you can't stop it. You can't stop it because our, our demographic is still here. You know, a lot of us have become susceptible because, you know, it's just like going in Foot Locker. If mostly what you see is Nikes, then you're more prone to buy Nikes. You know, so all you hearing is, is drill music and, you know, um, trap music. You know, eventually you're just going to conform because you're already socially programmed to listen to the radio, you know, to listen to, to see what's hot on Spotify and then go by the numbers and all this other thing, all these other things that, you know, everybody in here, we're going to all use these things to our advantage. But I'm just saying that's the the methodology of it. Yeah. 
Why do you think they decided to switch the format so much? It was just a completely drastic format change, right? Because, you know, early on in the early 90s, you know, we had poor righteous teachers. We had, you know, just like such a knowledgeable um, class of artists. And then it got switched to gangster rap. And then it just went off the grid. And, and they kind of used like melodic melodies in the middle. But they just completely switched. Why do you think exactly that change happened? Um... I remember talking with some, I don't want to put them on blast, but I remember, I remember talking to some A&Rs, most of them who worked for Universal, and they said it was an agenda that they had to stop promoting um, what we call East Coast rappers or New York rappers. They, they just stopped promoting them, and their agenda was to start signing, you know, these Southern rap artists, and not even West Coast artists because they were, you know, conscious. The key word was conscious. And uh, once they did that, the music went downhill, you know. And that's no disrespect to a Southern rap artists or anything else, but shit went downhill. Say, you know, you could think of me what you want. You know, shit went downhill. Let's say, like, let's say you got offered a, an executive position what would be your agenda for the music nowadays? To be honest with you, my agenda would be what my boss says. That's why Kings County Media Group exists. Simple as that. Absolutely. That was a definitive answer. <laughs> so... Now, besides, besides being an amazing rapper, you have an amazing production catalog, Queen Latifah, Rakim, obviously Jay-Z. I like the usual suspects work, and we spoke about this, and obviously mm -hmm. M.O.P., because the Firing Squad, I mean, that album was super dope. Like, what is it like working with M.O.P.? Because I, I heard an interview with Joel Ortiz that he was saying that fame records his ad-libs first. Yeah. Like, like it's, a, it's like weird. For like all the MCs in the room, like, fame literally goes and records the ad-libs first and then punches in... The bars, like, that is just simply just crazy to even yeah. fathom that. Yeah, it's crazy, but what, it it depends on how you look at it, because what I, this is just what I hear. What I hear is, um, it's all a part of his verse, and he's doing a part of his verse that by itself sounds like ad-libs, and then he comes in and completes it with the rest of it. So, so, so one might be under the impression that he's doing his ad-libs first, but he's just doing different parts of the verse and adding them together. Kind of like, um, not sounding the same, but like um, the first time I really heard um, people doubling and tripling their vocals, you know, it was like Easy e and Tupac. So it's kind of like the same thing. Oh, and Janet Jackson, like they, they layered like seven lead vocals really on, on yeah yeah Chaz, i was watching one of your interviews on sirius xm you spoke about like the, the actual technical writing that you do like you spoke about like um how when you write you actually like write it out on paper and um you're just so technical with your wordplay and you. and I, like the styles like no one's ever been able to even come close to your style can, well, can you kind of like remind everybody here like like what is your process when you're actually like Bar for bar, like how how is it like going through your mind? Well, um, in fifth grade, 
I was introduced to um, poetry and prose and, you know, different formats, you know, the whole nine shots, you know, stanzas, you know, um, and being that most beats are like four fourth time, you know, that we deal with, um, with boom back, uh, plug, right? Yeah. Plug. <laughs> plug. So, you know, we basically, I, I basically, um, between that and, uh, I started learning about poetic license and, you know, automatopoeia, uh, simile, um, um, metaphors, um, double entendre, triple entendre, hyperbole, you know, the list goes on. So, um, becoming in tune with that, it allowed me to, um, somebody mentioned to me and, and I mean, I get enlightened about myself too. It's, it's, it's weird. Somebody mentioned to me, it's like, um, your your vocal technique or your cadence reminds me of a drum. And I was like, yeah. I was like, because technically all instruments are different forms of drum. You know, everything has a space. And in between that space is called a groove. That's why it's called a groove because it's in between two things. And that's and it's not so much the the two boundaries that um, that gets you locked in to have you doing this. It's that air, that space in between. That air, that space in between is what hits right here and has you go into that spirit realm for a second until the boundary of the next whatever comes in. It's, it's, y'all know what I'm talking about. So, um, so I just I just became in tune with with that. My parents. They uh, they had just a myriad, a plethora of genres of music, you know. Um, and what was prevalent to me, um, being you know, I'm not ashamed. I I was born in '64, so when I really started um, recognizing what music is, um, it was the Motown. Motown was dominating everything, so. You know, between uh, the Supremes, you know, Diana Ross and the Supremes, the Temptations, you know, of course, the Jackson Five, the Four Tops, um, Stevie Wonder. Um, I I just learned um, what instruments were, and I could recognize instruments within a song. And I was in my mind, my brain rather, I was able to separate, you know, the, the actual instrument and, you know, I can hum to it, you know, I can almost make it louder in my head as it's playing. And I think that gave me the ability to, um, to tune in. Like, um, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, if y'all familiar with, uh, Grandmaster Kaz, um, when I heard Kaz, you got to listen to some of the old Cold Crush shit. I mean, it's, it's got to be some recordings around somewhere. Like when you hear his cadence and the fact that he could he could hold a note as well. When I heard that, that's what made me say like, yeah, this is that's the level I want to get to. Mm-hmm. 
and of course beyond. But um, it's it's really it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's just being in tune, and of course having some fucking smarts. You can't be a dumbass and, and just come up with words like it won't make sense to anybody that has sense. So you you know you have to uh, attain a vocabulary. Um, my mother, she was a stickler for that. Um, uh, my woman, she always um, kids me about, because I told her the story about um, one day I was being silly. I was about five years old, and my mom said, oh, you being so facetious. And I was like, you know what I'm saying? Like facetious. And she would always, she would always throw words at me like that, and and thanks to her, it um it made extending my vocabulary actually fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, jazz. I, I, there has to be a certain level of frustration for not being credited for creating the double up flow, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and me and you have conversations like, as growing up as a kid, like I kind of thought it was Bone Thugs, right? Initially, because they Same were just. You. Yeah, shame I'm, on me. No, 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 shame on me. I'm super playing, bad. Right? No, but it's true because because they had like the super commercial success, right? So mm-hmm. you know, I'm like nine. I'm watching these guys from Cleveland. They're creating this flow that is now prevalent today. But when you actually go back and you look in the archives, you actually created this flow. So mm-hmm. there has to be just some sort of frustration watching it and then seeing people almost disrupt it. I don't know what your thoughts on that. Yeah, shit pisses me to fuck off. Actually. You know, because, and I, I'm going to tell you, you know, why. No, Jazz, talk your shit, Jazz. You know, I got to. Talk your shit. I got to. Because it, it's not, and it's not so much like the fact that, um, you know, maybe it hasn't been promoted in the industry or I didn't have an agent who connected with the Guinness Book of World Records to, yeah, yeah. you know, to make note and document that, you know, I'm faster than everybody else. It's the fact that many of my colleagues, you know, they would they would give me accolades privately to the point where I'm embarrassed. I'm like, yo, get off me. But when the light shines on them and they ask them, like, yo, who, you know, can you name any of your um, favorite MCs and this, that, and the other, they go with the status quo. You know what I'm saying? That's what pisses me the fuck off. Like, you know, and those are the things at the same time as it pisses me off, it gratifies me because it lets me know, like, damn, nigga, you doing the right thing because you ain't that. Because that shit is ugly. I don't care. Business, industry, I don't give a fuck. That shit is ugly. You know what I'm saying? And that may sound a little opinionated, but that's how I feel. No, it's facts. Well, of course. It's- yeah, is there like a is there a current artist right now that you see that kind of reminds you of you like uh talent wise? No. No. Nah. And it's hard, and I'm not saying that there isn't. I'm saying, and I may be introduced tonight. But the reason why I say that is because I can't judge it by way of hearing a record because of technology. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Between punch-ins, auto-tune, and all this other technical shit, you don't know what somebody sound like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I can't say, you know, and the only, the only um, 
The only defining factor is what you are doing, eh? what you're doing, you know what I'm saying, with the ciphers and everything because ain't no technology. You know what I'm saying? It's it's face-to-face. That's right. You got bars, you got the bars, step up or sit down. Yeah, because there there is an audience for this, and I've been uh, just trying to really define into – the actual audience, right? So mm-hmm. here at Infamous Hour, we have a top five segment. We talk about a d- bunch of top five things. Uh, Jazzo, I want to know, what is your top five hip-hop groups of all time? Shoot for it. It's Infamous Hour, baby. It's, yeah, it's one of the most <laughs> difficult questions. That, like, the top five anything. Um, <sighs> groups? Yeah, hip-hop groups. I gotta say, well, are they recording art? Well, technically, Cold Crush is a record. They're they're yeah. a recording group. They, they put out two records, so Cold Crush. Um, man, it's difficult. Difficult, difficult, difficult. You know why it's so difficult? Because I number one, I can't be political like that. Two, I never really cared. I'm just being honest. I'm not sweet to everything. I never really cared, you know. And, and you know, groups groups are a funny thing because in most groups, it's really that one person that is the group. Yeah, like the Lost Boys in a sense, right? It's right. Like, you know, the Cheeks and everybody else just standing around. Right, right, <laughs> right. And every everybody, yeah, everybody else is, is like ad-libs. Yeah. You know, or, you know. Yeah, and you know, shout out to Mr. Cheeks, but I had to really ask him. Like, I'm like, guy, like, what do these other guys do? They're just standing here, like it's a group. It's like, he's on, he's on every what did single he say? record. I'm curious. No, he, everybody played a role. Uh, Freaky Tower was the hype man. One was the DJ, and one was the producer. And yeah. they made a group, and he was the MC. It's almost like an R&B group. It's just that you know they just play different roles. They labeled him as a group. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember. I met all of them in um, D&D Studios. They came in there with. Uh, What's his name? Tim Dog, the East East Coast yeah. Tim Dog, classic. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I always I always like the um Freaky Child ad libs. To be honest with you, that was, that was like my favorite part of songs. Yeah, well, he's, before it's too damn late. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, Jazzo, like a, a random fact about you, most people don't know. Uh, you actually spent some time living. Um, Cross seas in um, England. Yeah, a very, very short period of time. And the purpose of it was um, to record my first um, major or album on a major label. Correct. Um, yeah, it was like a little over two months. And it was fun. Yeah, you, were over there with, uh, you were over there with Jay. And uh, Moni Love is actually the one who told me this story. Oh, she told you? Yeah. Uh, what she tell you? She tell you about our flat, right? <laughs> I know she did. Uh, she, she said you guys had a great time out there. Yeah, yeah. And she it was crazy because she was about I guess she was about fifteen or something like that. And um and for the record, yeah, Irv Gotti and Jay Z, yeah, they were out there with me. Um I gotta do that. I gotta set the record straight because sometimes, you know, yeah. people get things misconstrued. Um Yeah, so what happened was I did a song called Give a Little Extra and I was looking for, actually, it was after, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy, DJ Pogo. Um, he's a, he, well, back then, he was a popular DJ, you know, in, in the UK. And um, 
I used him for a couple of tracks because Irv Gotti, who was with us, he he actually left early and came back to the States. So um, so after he did his work, um, I was doing a song called Give a Little Extra, and I needed, you know, a young girl with a, you know, a sultry voice, you know, to say one line. So um, we reached out, and we reached out to Pogo. Pogo said he had somebody, and it was Moni. Okay. So she was tripping because she was like, she she said she said the line that I asked her to say, and she was like, "Now what?" I was like, "Now nah, you good? You done? Yeah, you tapped in. You done? Yeah." And we you know we paid her a couple of bands. She was like, "Shit!" So that was great. And every time I saw, even even up to um, what was it? What was that? Twenty? Was that twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen when um? NBA All-Star Weekend was in Charlotte, was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, we did a couple of, we did a couple of parties together, like hosted a couple of parties. And sure enough, she was telling that same story. Still. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Still. Crazy. Yeah, shout to Moni Love. So, so, Jazz, so obviously uh, the warm-up came out, and, and we have this new record that the fans are about to see, uh, mm-hmm. you and Nipsey looking like. So... So, so they're gonna see the video. They're gonna see the the release. But this record was actually on the warm up project. Yes. Why was it exactly that Nipsey wasn't listed on the record? For one, um, I don't I don't want to uh, you know I don't want to ruin anybody. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna be as gentle as possible. Um, People who were a part of creating the song weren't the most cooperative. So um, in order to keep myself from getting into any legal bonds, you know, I I waited. Um, And I figured that was the best thing to do. And I didn't know if it was the best thing to do, but I just thought it. And it turns out I was right because here we are. Yeah, here we are. Video because people obviously it's public knowledge, so people will be able to go back and, and they'll, you know, once they hit this record, re release the remastered version, the, the full video, they'll be able to go back to the archive um, and, and hear it. But do you think obviously it should have been done differently, right? And do you think maybe him passing on maybe has something to do with it where people were kind of just unsure of maybe where, you know, who they should ask or, you know, how it should be listed correctly? Yeah, that was that was a that was a thing. Um, my main issue was, um, I was misled about clearance of certain things. And, you know, before I took any steps as far as, you know, my publishing admin was to have documented proof that I have legal right to, you know, to use any parts that belong to any other uh, writers or authors. Yeah. And that was the delay with that. And fortunately, everything turned out right because, you know, just because. Yeah. Yeah, the way the world works. Mm-hmm. It's all. Oh, man. I'm excited to hear this track, man. This is, um, I know you guys recently shot the video. I shot it out on Long Island. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, what can you tell us about the video that people can look forward to seeing in it? A movie. It's a movie? A movie. Um, yeah. 
They, they told- brought me out of retirement for this. Huh? Round of applause for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They brought me out of retirement. Yeah. If that shit the video. Yeah, because if, next thing you know, if, like one minute, F is on the sidelines. Next thing you know, he got the camera. Yeah. Rolling with the camera. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> okay. But uh, I've been trying to be subtle with it, but, you know, that's like my trade in a sense. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. But um, I I would say like you know, they they said out they said I was looking right, and you know, the scenery was great. And uh, you know, I don't know if we should let the cat out the bag. There's more, there's, there's more oh, to we come. Can talk but about it, of course, we can oh talk yeah, about definitely. It. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah we'll be shooting, we'll be shooting a, a few more shots, and um, I'm excited about that. Um. Man, I'm I'm just waiting to see it. I'm just waiting to see it. I just hope, you know, my head is in proper proportion to my body and shit, you know, and everything is going to work out fine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, the little things that count, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so Jazz, I mean, all right, so so obviously we're going to have the looking like record, you and Nipsey, yeah. co- collaborative re-release. Mm-hmm. What is next? Obviously, uh, you have a situation with Rival. And, yes. and you have uh, Kings County. And, you know, I'm proud to be a part of Rival because we built the legacy artist component. And it's unfair to label it that way, right? It's like legacy artists. And, you know, I, I find myself in many situations where you are, right? Where it's right. like you, you have certain components and I'm moving the right way. My colleagues, my people, we, we're trying to... I have at least five guys in this room that I'm kind of doing the same thing with, right? So right. Th- I guess the final question is, how do we correct this long term? Like, you know, how, how do we correct it? Is, it? is it the DJs? Is it the radio? Is it the labels? Is it the artists? Is it just people be more business savvy? Like, where do you think ultimately we can correct this where we don't have to revisit these situations? Um, I think some of the situations are necessary because it brings the best out of us. Mm. I think that if those things didn't exist, then we wouldn't exist because we wouldn't be recognized, you know, if there was no hate, you wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize what love is. Mm. So in that same sense, we have to stick to our guns. You know, I tell, I tell artists that, I tell anybody that, you know, because they, they, they look for, we all look for inspiration. You know, many of us are self-motivated, but there are times where we like, man, fuck this shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's some bullshit. You know, I'm busting my ass. You know what I'm saying? I'm nicer than this nigga. I'm nicer than this nigga that got 30, 100 billion, gazillion, you know, streams and shit. Why the fuck is he eating? And I may or may not be eating. Those are real questions, and it can deter a lot of talent. And I think that's done on purpose. But um, you got to stick to your guns because what is realized is the, the creative ones the ones who do it for the love and the money. It's a balance, y'all. Don't disrespect that bread. Um, are the majority. Yeah. And they just trying to slick us out of thinking that, oh, it's just these little amount of people, but you know what I'm saying? We are the majority. Yeah. Uh, Tone, final question. And like, you're just a creative soul from, from beginning to end. From the first time I heard you on the track, so even to this moment, even the way you're wearing your headphones is creative. How do you stay so sharp creatively? Man, it's my I, I just I just love everything. 
no matter how repulsive, no matter how beautiful, pretty, so-so. I love everything. I find the, I try to find the best thing in everything and even myself. And I'm, I'm not subject to what, you know, people think based on like, oh, you know, it's more politically correct if he, stand, if he sits this way or if he sits this way or, you know, he needs to say ain't more because he's, you know, he's from Marcy. You know what I'm saying? Fuck that. You know what I'm saying? My mother taught me better. I say what I want when I choose. You know, if I say ain't, you know what I'm saying? If I get gutter and I start talking greasy to a nigga and shit, then that's my business. You know what I'm saying? If I talk and I turn it around and I'm somewhere else and I choose to talk that way, I do what I choose. And they don't like motherfuckers like me because I do what the fuck I choose. As long as I'm not violating any laws and disrespecting anybody, I'm going to do what the fuck I choose. And they still don't like that. And I don't really care. Jazz up. So, Jazz up, final question. I have a cipher coming up called the Punchline Academy. I have essentially nine MCs that are up and coming. And they find themselves in a very particular time because they, they all dope bars, but mm-hmm. it's bars are the minority in a sense, right? And we have an right. entire fan base, millions of people that watch us, they hear us on the radio, and they really like lyrics. What is the best advice that you can give to an independent artist on how to stay motivated when it comes to being an MC and being true to themselves? Stick to your guns. Stick to your guns and be, be real with yourself. And don't follow what the status quo says is hot. Don't follow what the status quo says is favorable. You know, um, they did that to us. You remember, like, you know, you would have a KRS-One, and then right behind it, you have, like, KRS-2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. You have Rakim's, and then you have all, you know, all, you have idea. these iconic cats, and then you have people coming right behind them because the industry demands that, okay, you sound like this. If you don't sound like this... If you don't start talking about that gunplay and turning the corner and letting the nigga have it, then you ain't getting no deal. You know what I'm saying? And that's what happened to us. Because most of us at one time or another was, you know, we were impoverished. So, you know, they just had to make that choice. Like, yo, fuck it. I'm going to talk that shit, you know. Even though I, I bust a gun one time, you know, my man, he handed me the 22. We went on the roof. You know what I'm saying? You know, but, you know, on this record, you know, I'm a killer gorilla out this piece. Yeah. You know, so. Shooting the cops going crazy, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, and that, and that's, that's what happened. And, and then you have a whole generation of so-called killers. And, and the funny part about it is what they did to us is a lot of the violence you see today is branched from these so-called killers and their propagation of this killer shit, and they created real fucking killers. Look at Chicago. Literally. Look at Detroit. These niggas ain't playing. I don't care what nobody say. We used to rah-rah that shit about, no, nah, ain't nobody live in New York. and Fuck that. These niggas don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not bigging that shit up. I'm not judging it either because that's their way of life. What I'm saying is it shouldn't be that way. 
it shouldn't be that way. I'm just, I'm just telling, I'm just stating the facts. They created real killers from that shit. Mm. Young kids. Jesus. Round pause. Jazzo, come to this this hour. Uh, Jazzo, they want to follow you. Uh, what's the social media? Um, Instagram, Jazzo KKMG. That's J-A-Z-O-K-K-M-G. Um, Facebook, uh, Jazzo. Twitter, The Real Jazzo. Um, and that's with one Z, y'all. No doubt. And of course, I'm the infamous I'm Deus Tone Veris here. Right, right now, we're about to get into my new segment called The Punchline Academy here on Boom Bap Nation. Tapping. I got nine amazing MCs. Let's get to it right now here in the infamous hour. 